0: Hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic. Uh, My my, uh, usual uh, partner in crime uh, is having a a moment. Uh, I will not go into his personal business, but for those of you Christians out there who are prayer inclined, you might want to send out one of those generic uh, prayers. God will know what you mean. Just send one out. He'll appreciate it. Uh, But I am joined uh, by my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Um, Looking forward to this week's conversation.
0: Excellent. Uh, So just so you guys know, this was going to be a solo show all the way up until about 10 minutes ago uh, when I called Andrew and said, hey, you want to do a show? Uh, And uh, Andrew has no self-control.
1: Said, I, I, I should always turn those down you know it's, it's, a, it's a little bit like saying hey um you know would you would you like to go out and drink too much and not be able to find your way home i should always say no to that yeah I should always say no to uh would you like to do a podcast in 10 minutes yeah you know?
0: No, that's um, Look, he barely knows what the topic is, and he certainly hasn't seen the 4,000-word blog uh, that goes with this. Uh, I've only seen the 4,000-word blog once uh, because I hastily wrote it this morning because I haven't had time to do it during the week. Uh, and so I will be uh, kind of working off of those notes, which I haven't really uh, organized for a good show so uh without a lot of preparation still i want to talk about this subject uh, though and um i thought i would bring on andrew because uh he always has a slightly different perspective than uh i do on some of this stuff and so i just want to get into it uh we talked about slavery uh last week uh it was a shit show uh but you know no (laughs) that said wasn't a bad show (laughs) it's just one that no, it describes the shit show highly emotional uh we uh, did a lot of we were all rude no one covered themselves in glory and we're not sorry um so yeah i there are one or two of those planned uh out through the season too so you you'll see at least one more like that i'm pretty sure
1: <laughs> look man i've got one thought on last week's show um and and that is only that is that is only this if you are the person in the position of of affirming, I am here to defend slavery.
0: Go home. Yeah. <laughs> so much. That's nicer. my comment on last week's so show. So much nicer than what I said. Um, hmm. You know what? If you were actually on last week's show, I think you would have had something harsher to say. Uh, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, look. <laughs> It's not like we don't have a, a, a an audience that probably overlaps people. It's not, it's not like they don't. <laughs> Your listeners don't know me. Yeah. So, so,
0: yeah. Uh, Andrew, Andrew
1: can get a little... Uh, so um, <laughs> that's it. I
0: can, be, I can be
1: testy. Yes,
0: yes, yes. <laughs> I think uh, it
1: may happen this time around. Probably.
0: I think we're going to be okay. I really do. I um But we we might cover some of the ground that we covered last week, just in a maybe slightly um, more blood-pressure-friendly way. Uh, Today's topic, uh, today's topic, actually, next week's topic, uh, assuming that uh, everything falls back in schedule, uh, it will be the the high-level show on politics that I promised for this week uh, that's still out there. uh, It's still going to be good. Uh, This week, How Atheists Read the Bible – and why it's pointless. (laughs) Okay, so I just want to start uh, right now. I'm an atheist. Um, Andrew's an atheist, uh, and we're particular kinds of atheists. We were Christians for a long time. Uh, In fact, I would say high-level Christians. For those who don't know, uh, I was a preacher and held a a number of positions in in the church uh, during my time. Uh, I only became a not-Christian christian Roughly ten years ago, uh, thereabouts, so uh, uh, Andrew uh, spent a little bit less time uh, than I did in the church, but he also went to seminary uh, and I didn't uh, so yep.
1: and if you are listening and you're a Christian as a result of uh, as as a result of my actions and you you somehow hear this show, uh, I apologize to you and i hope you find your way out yeah same here actually
0: uh yeah um we we might we might actually do a a show about that sometime um but that's not this show i um i do want to acknowledge that there are other kinds of atheists though uh, because not all atheists come from you know a long time in in deep study, uh, deep, deep inside the upper echelons of, of Christianity. Okay. So there are those atheists who, uh, were just kind of casual Christians for a while and and fell out of it. Right. They, they just woke up and kind of said, you know what, this doesn't really make any sense. Um, uh, not, not going to do this any, anymore. Uh, and it's never that easy to get out. So I don't want to trivialize that. Uh, but they, they have a, a get out story, uh, that didn't involve uh, a lifetime uh, of of being, being this deep into it. And then there are those atheists who were never Christians, but they were raised around uh, a lot of Christian influences. And so they still had to kind of uh, walk within the Christian world uh, without ever having believed. And then there's the kind of atheist, um, I, I would say like uh, Darren uh, Lute, uh, one of the people who uh, is on the show from time to time. Yes, I am certain that we will see Darren this season. Uh, we've got people like Darren who just have never given a damn. It's it's never been a part of their life. Uh, they j- they don't get it. Uh, so there, there are different kinds of atheists. People come, uh, come at this from different angles. But the thing that is interesting to me is all of the atheists from my experience, uh, all of the atheists that I know, uh, that I've met online, that I've met in the real world, uh, that I've had a chance to have conversations with the Bible with. We all tend to read the Bible the same way. Uh, So there's very little difference in how we read it. It doesn't matter whether you were uh, kind of a scholarly, academic type of Christian before you became an atheist or whether you never, you know, read the book except, you know, a handful of times uh, on Christmas and Easter. We all tend to read it the same way uh, once we become atheists. Um, Andrew, have you, have you recognized that? Or do you, do you see a a big variance in how atheists read the Bible? Because Christians, there's a, a wide variation on how Christians read it. But I, no, I, I don't, don't see that kind of variation with atheists.
1: I don't either. I, I would say that, so we were talking about this in the run-up. I think, by and large, it was read largely literally. I think the problem comes in uh, in that we would all say, look, there are parts of the Bible that should be read uh, figuratively in, in some way, uh, or, or as myth, as legend, uh, parables, et cetera. And while we would all have spent time largely reading the Bible literally, the disagreement would have come in 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 that in those areas where we try to decide what parts should be read some other way. And that is uh, I, that is the same problem I think that that Christianity has across the board. Um, there doesn't seem to be Uh, any agreement about how to apply these rules. And I know we're going to get on uh, to that later on in the show, so I'll leave it there. But yes, uh, the atheist I know largely read the Bible the way I did with the same kinds of rules, but the rules are not particularly consistently applied.
0: Okay. And uh, just as a a quick note, for those of you who see my uh, eye scanning, uh, from left to right and up and down, kind of like a Borg implant. Uh, yes,
1: David is a Cylon. That is that is true. That's
0: a- Borg, not Cylon. But um, yeah, so it's actually because I'm read. I'm trying to read <laughs> things as I talk, uh, and so well, you don't see what I'm trying to read. Uh, hopefully, you don't see what I'm trying to read. Um, there's a whole other world. Uh, going on that the camera does not show and it just shows me (laughs) trying uh, tracking with things and not really making eye contact with you audience so i'm sorry about that i um i'm not good at eye contact anyway so i kind of gave it up as a bad job a long time ago um so yeah that said um i would i would also add this before moving on i think that christians by and large read the bible the way atheists do too um you know there's you start getting the variances as you get um, up in scholarship. Uh, so there's, there's um, something to be said there. If if you just talk to the average Christian on the street, they read the Bible largely the way the atheists read the Bible. You just, if you just throw a verse out there and uh, ask them, okay, so what is, what does this mean? What do you, what do you see when you read this? They would interpret Interpret it mostly the way we do, um, and I think that there is a a certain kind of Christian that starts to interpret things differently. And I see this happening in conversations all the time, where we're talking about something, and you know, we bring up something in the Bible, and they're in perfect agreement with you about what the Bible says until you you close the trap, <laughs> and, and and their eyes light up as they see what you know, the problem with the, with the Bible when it actually says the thing that it says. And then they start thinking, oh, wait a minute. Well, it must not mean that. <clears throat> and and then they, you know, try to find um, another way to interpret it. Uh, so uh, Andrew brought up literal. I think this is important. We need to spend some time here. Uh, Andrew, I was a literalist, okay? Uh, I wasn't a kind of a literalist. I was I was a biblical literalist. Um, verbal plenary inspiration. These are, it's not just the word of God. These are the words of God. And when God said things, he meant them exactly the way he said them. He meant them literally. And yes, I like uh, every Christian would acknowledge that the Bible is a mix of, of genres. Uh, there is poetry, for instance, uh, in the bible but the mix of genres didn't stop it from being read literally uh so even even if you say that there's some allegory in the bible now i was one of those christians who would have never acknowledged allegory in the bible either i would not have said that there is any allegory any any mythic elements whatsoever um but even if you acknowledge uh, Christians that acknowledge that there's some allegory in there, they still read the allegory as if it's literal history. Um, and even when you say there's some poetry in the Bible, that poetry is still often read as if it's literal. Uh, you know, if not history, literal science. It's it's saying true things about the way the world is. Uh, let me just give one example uh, of of reading poetry that way. When David says uh, that I was a sinner uh, even before I was born, uh, Christians read that as a passage uh, that promotes a pro-life agenda. Well, why? Because, because we were, we were alive, even in the womb, even before we were born, before we were conceived, we were alive.
1: Uh, And we get that from... I can't let. I've got to say something here. Okay, if we if we were alive before we were born, abortion can't possibly
0: mean anything. Well, uh, so abortion doesn't mean anything. So I I will just uh, agree with that, and we will tangle with you in the comments. Um, it's it's a re- it's it is a silly idea though, but it's it's used in abortion, um, in in uh, anti-abortion. Uh, polemic with Christians all the time. Uh, And also uh, the Calvinistic notion that we are born sinners, uh, also uh, a Catholic notion, uh, that we are born sinners. Where do we get that from? Well, a lot of people cite that particular piece of poetry. Uh, So they will acknowledge that it's poetry, but they still treat it as if it's literal, uh, and so everything in the Bible gets that literal gloss. Had a conversation with, uh, Dale a couple of weeks ago. I think I may have lost you there. Uh, Andrew, we'll pick you up and, uh, pick you back up in a moment. Uh, we had a conversation with Dale, uh, and Dale, uh, gave us mytho history, uh, mytho history, uh, and he was very careful to say even though there are mythic elements involved here that it's still history still history it's still I have still, no idea what that means that's okay don't worry about it um we're we're still going as if that didn't happen i'm not editing don't don't bother with it um so I, I was just mentioning that Dale uh talked about uh, brought up mytho history a couple couple three weeks ago because
1: no that's what i'm that's what i mean
0: i I wasn't
1: lost I was just on mute oh, okay. uh, I have no idea what it means to call something myth and histo- and uh, also call it
0: historical yeah no i was I was very confused by that um and you know Dale maybe you can come in uh, uh you know in, into the comments and talk about that a little bit more but it's it's i think psychologically. It's really just that desire, that need to frame the Bible as saying literal things that happen in the real world, and it's telling actual truth that you should believe. Uh, and, and the moment they start saying that, well, it's mythology, you know, that brings up the idea of fiction, and they want to run as far away as they can uh, from the possibility that there's something in the Bible that's fiction uh and so that's that's the thing so even when they're talking about these quote-unquote other genres they still talk about it in literal terms and so we can't really be blamed for reading the bible literally that's how christians insist that we look at it uh and look at the gospels look at look at acts all of that there are lots of things uh within those texts that, that seems like they should be read um as as legend um uh, but no no the christian insists it's all literal talking snakes talking donkeys literal um and so yeah are are we bringing some kind of bias or a wrong-headed thinking to the table when we um look at the Bible and see it Uh, as literal? I don't think so, but I think this is part of why we do it. Christians have trained us uh, to read the Bible this way. Andrew? Okay. Andrew, maybe, maybe not. I'm going to, I think you're mute. Because, uh, yeah, okay. Well, when you... I'm when you, here. Can okay. you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, I, I will you. don't, you here, don't so. actually have to mute yourself. Uh, I, don't, I don't care if the audio is that clean today. Don't worry about it. Okay, all
1: right. So yeah. here's here it occurs to me that it, no matter how liberal you want to read the Old Testament and the New Testament, or, or maybe you just want to read the New Testament, and, you know, get rid of that other two-thirds of the Bible that doesn't mean anything, but no matter how liberal you want to be with your reading... At some point, somewhere in that reading, if, if you are actually saying to other people that the Bible is a, a guide for life and human existence, that there's uh, some set of ethics and ontology that are going to, uh, some, some ontology and epistemology we should derive from our reading, no matter how liberal you are, you have to apply some literal reading somewhere. And I think in the case of the Bible, I uh, I decided it was a bad job, and we'll get into why, uh, maybe in a few minutes. Yes. Um, but I see no way that there can be a God fingerprint on that book,
0: yes. and
1: so so we'll get into that in a minute, I think. But uh, there's got to be something literal. If you want to hand me the book and say that there's an example there that I should follow.
0: Right. So I didn't put this in the um, blog post, uh, but I have said this uh, often, uh, no matter how liberal you are at bottom, you're reading the Bible literally somewhere. So something has to be literal in it or else you, you're, you're not going to be a Christian. <laughs> right? So you've got to, you've got to believe that something actually happened. Um And so really it just becomes an exercise in where you plant that literal flag. Uh, So I think that for the non-Christian, it just makes more sense to read it all as literally as possible until it doesn't make sense. You know, when Jesus says, I am a door, you know, we don't, we don't think of Jesus as an actual door. Um, Christians like to bring up this example. Nobody makes this mistake. <laughs> this mistake is made by zero people in the world, uh, right? So if you can read, you you understand uh, that this is a metaphor. Even if you don't know the word metaphor, you know that, that this is a metaphor. Um, but when you see uh, the Bible giving a narrative of Jesus being born of a woman who has never had sex, uh, how are we supposed to read that? Well, the authors seem to be saying it as if it was a thing that really happened. And so that's how we read it. Uh, and yet some sure. academic Christians are willing to throw that one out uh, and say, no, that's that's not necessarily literal. So it, at some point, uh, even Christians have to plant their literal flag somewhere. But for the skeptic, it just makes sense to... Uh, start off reading it literally until you can't. Uh, you know, until it until it right. doesn't make it, sense.
1: Right? Did the did the did the sea get parted for Moses? Was there an angel of death that that killed firstborn children? Uh, this is this is uh, this is the mistake that people do make. And and somebody sitting out there saying, okay, but I'm not the one making the mistake. Maybe you're not. But we haven't reached agreement uh, on on who is right and who is wrong. And by the way, that's not the atheist's job. So if you want atheists to believe these stories, um, there needs to be another Nicene Council, guys. You need to, you Christians, you need to get together and uh, figure this stuff out. Right, and so that's
0: if i if i can you just said some key words there believe the story um you know the christian might want to try yeah but you shouldn't read l- literally things that wouldn't make sense you know if if they were read literally and that's just not a um criteria we could go with because all of it is is crazy none of it makes sense so uh you know it why shouldn't we read it as a literal six-day creation when you've got a talking snake in the story? If we're supposed to believe the talking snake, then I I guess you believe anything, right? I mean, it, um, what part are we supposed to believe? Are we supposed to believe the talking donkey? If we can believe the talking donkey, then no, it makes sense. We just as well read it all literally are we supposed to believe that the the sun stood still so that Joshua can kill some more enemies? If we're supposed to believe that, uh, you can't tell us only believe the stuff that would make sense. None of it makes sense. (laughs) So, yes, we we read it all literally. We have have no way to distinguish.
1: Right. And I have less problems with a talking snake than I do with a magic fruit that somehow tells you something about Uh, about good and evil (laughs) so so, uh look the the story makes me laugh and if you're not laughing uh that's a warning sign (laughs) You're, you're taking this stuff way too seriously if you're not laughing about a fruit that you can eat uh that helps you decide that there's uh that there's evil (laughs) <laughs> or, we, or good, we, or, or, we atheists
0: or would just say I, I think most of us would say uh interested in the comments here uh that none of it makes sense but if you're asking us to read it, if the authors are saying no, no no this may not make sense to you but it really happened and if you want us to accept one of those things we just don't have the tools to go through and say well okay that makes sense in this worldview, but that doesn't make sense in this worldview. It, it's it's like trying to uh, watch a cartoon uh, and saying, "Well, you know, when the Roadrunner runs runs off the cliff and he's pumping his feet, that's that breaks physics. That doesn't make sense." Um, and you say, "Well, why the heck would I care about?" Physics, when all of these animals are talking, <laughs> <You know? laughs> what are you, you talking you, about? <laughs> it's, it stopped making sense at the opening credits. <laughs> you've got this
1: God walking around in the tops of the trees. Um, physics just just doesn't apply. Uh, look, you, you, and, and not too long after that, you've got a dude walking on water. Sure. Right?
0: um so uh, yeah so yeah. Uh, the, don't, the tell story, don't tell no, us not to no. read it literally because that would make hash of the no it it's all hash so when we read it literally we're really just trying to read it uh, a the way it it seems to want to be read and B the way christians have insisted that we read it um you know except for the parts that would be embarrassing if read literally um let me move on i don't i don't want to stay too long here because i got a lot of more fun stuff to go uh do than this but i I just want i'm just trying to to reasonably help the the christian understand why we read it this way um we're we're not trying to um be dishonest (laughs) in the reading um also there's the idea of uh uh, legislation, All right. So this is not just the word of God, but the law of God. Uh, so the Bible is often yeah. spoken of as the law, and the the Old Testament in particular as the law. In the first five books in particular, the law of Moses. Um, the Pentateuch is the law. If we say the books of the law, we're we're talking yeah. about uh, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, Deuteronomy. These is, is books of the law, and then the next twelve books are the books of history. Uh, so you just think about that. Uh, the first seventeen books of the Bible are listed as law and history. How do you read law and history? You read it literally, as straightforward as possible.
1: Right, uh, so. There's, there's something really important buried in there. No matter how you think uh, humans got here, whether you're an evolutionist or a, a young earth creationist, no matter what the mechanism is, if you're a Christian, you think God created the universe. And at some point, he, he spoke it into existence, or he waved his magic wand, or he spilled a potion, or whatever he did, and out popped the universe.
0: Please don't ever say spilled a potion again. <laughs> uh,
1: look, it's not my fault, man. These are, these are the things that come to mind. Um, but here's why that's important. If you think that God can wave a magic wand or speak the universe into existence, however you, however you think he did is there any story that has to be figurative? Is there any account of his action that that you could say definitely can't be historical this this is the this is the creator and framer of the universe and in some sense the reason there are literalists is because they are simply acknowledging that that being that they believe in is the being that can create something from nothing and with that in mind there should be nothing out of out of his capability.
0: Right, and in, in this this is one of those places where I have to just agree with Ken Ham. Um, why on earth would you get squeamish about a literal six day creation when you when you read the rest of the Bible and you see what this God is capable of? Um, he, he's capable of anything. Uh, he's capable of making the world in six days and making it look like uh, it was old. Uh, just, just to be a test uh, to later generations, uh, as as the Catholic uh, Church used to teach, it's not outlandish. And so, uh, yeah, there's there's nothing, there's no cue in the scripture that would tell a non-Christian, okay, you shouldn't, you should stop reading literally here, and then you should start reading literally there. Right. Uh, so, that, that's exactly. a, a word on translations. So um there's a <laughs> there's a problem with the bible um it's written in pretty much dead languages uh and so just to translate those languages to the live version of those languages is a is a major effort uh t- today's jew probably doesn't speak the same way as the you know as moses well, assuming that there was a Moses. So you've, you've got a, a train you've got a problem with translation there, but, um, there's always a problem, uh, with translation. Um, we, you and I, uh, Andrew have a problem with translation. Uh, when you say something, uh, this happens in our conversations, uh, all the time when, when we're not recording them, when you say something, uh, Oftentimes uh, if it's if it's something worth thinking about, I will take a moment and I will think about it and I will repeat what you said, but not in the exact words. I will I will say what I what I think I heard you saying in my words.
1: Sure. We'll and, paraphrase each other uh for additional clarity.
0: Right. And and oftentimes I get it wrong and we speak the same language <laughs> we, we went to the same schools i um and and yet i get it um wrong we grew up in the same region of the country um and and i sometimes mistranslate you and you sometimes mistranslate me the, sure. these are these are two people who know each other very well have spent 10,000 hours talking to each other, we have practice of understanding what the other means, and we still have translation errors. How much more magnified are the translation uh, error possibilities in the Bible?
1: So I want to talk about that for a second. That that one... back in the Bible classes that I took in the late 80s and early 90s, we used to talk about these dead languages as if they were a feature and not a bug. And the story went something like this. We have these dead languages and we're glad they're dead because it somehow cemented the ideas in history, right? Those languages aren't moving anymore. And so if we can accurately translate them, uh, then we will have a, a sort of cast in stone uh, idea of, of what those people thought, how they approached the world, but more importantly, we have an accurate picture of that God because after all, the Bible was, uh, was uh, verbal plenary uh, verbally and plenarily inspired, right? And so the languages are dead. And that is a feature and not a bug because we get an accurate representation of God.
0: Exactly. There's no language drift in a dead language.
1: <laughs> right. But now here's the problem. And and later on, I came to recognize that it is a bug and not a feature. And, and here's why it's a bug. When you dead end a language, you dead end its ability to keep up with culture later. So we used to have this idea that we couldn't encounter a problem that wasn't spoken to by some passage in the Bible. You, you've got some life problem, no matter what it is. If you look deep enough, if you look hard enough, if you are familiar enough with, with these books in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you can find a message that speaks to the problem that you're having but i don't i no longer think that that is the case because those people don't keep up with future history they did die their language did end and those languages don't have the capacity to represent all of the problems that we have today and so i'm i'm no longer convinced that that is a feature and not a bug and that's just another reason that i don't take the bible very seriously
0: right so um y- you know i i see the problem with translation uh when i uh watch a foreign film uh by the way i'm not reading the subtitles i can't <laughs> i can't do that um every now and then uh, if I'm close enough to the TV, I'm very very lucky, I can read some of the subtitles. The way I watch a foreign film uh, is I have uh, an overpriced Apple TV uh, that happens to have excellent accessibility. This is not an Apple TV commercial, uh, but uh, one of the things that uh, that it has, and what uh, what a lot of companies have as a as an extra track, is uh, audio description and when you have audio description turned on it uh describes the scene and what's happening and uh things like that and it reads the subtitles um aloud Mm. Uh, so i don't i don't i don't have to miss the subtitles and i can watch foreign films and uh things like that that have audio descriptions i only bring that up uh to say this Uh, anyone who watches foreign film uh uh or here's audio descriptions or, you know, there are these films that were obviously originally done in a different language. Uh, a lot of Netflix uh, shows, uh, they were obviously done in Jap- uh, J- Japanese, <laughs> you know, they were done in German, you know, I'll, i watch these shows too, but they have English uh, dubs. Uh, and uh, those are, those are always fun because it, You can understand the words, you can understand what they're saying, but it's always, there's always a moment where you're thinking, no, that's not, that's not how we would say that. (laughs) That's, I think I know what you mean, but that's really not how that, (laughs) that would be said if you were, if you were speaking English. And so you're always doing this job of translating and interpreting After it's been translated, (laughs) because it's because it's not perfect. You know, language is not very portable. It doesn't move freely from one tongue to another tongue. Uh, You have to there are things that you have to do to massage it to make it fit into another language. So um, I say all that to say that translations, it's a very human process. It's, sure. a, it's a um, very intensive yes. process, and it's a very inaccurate process. Even the best translations are full of inaccuracies, and these are the translations that we can, that we can see.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, so some languages, just, just one of the myriad, myriad problems is uh, English is an SVO language, not subject, verb, object. That's the, that's the way we organize uh, our teaching of English, right? We, we teach children about the subject followed by the verb followed by uh, some object, right? And uh, English is, is somewhat unusual in that regard. Um, so verb, subject, object languages, VSO, uh, is, is another way to... Organized language and English uh, speakers, English speakers, uh, quite often have trouble uh, making the switch from from an SVO language to a VSO language or or some other organization. Just because rethinking where we put verbs and subjects and objects is a is a tricky process, and that's just one of one of a whole cascade of. Of issues uh, that go along with moving from one language, uh, one language to another, but you sort of spoke of that when you were talking about listening to movies that are dubbed, right? And mm-hmm. we and we hear this sort of problem moving from our thoughts uh, as an, as SVO speakers to a language that is uh, sort of literally interpreted, and the sentence organism.
0: Yeah. So, as a uh, English um, but, uh as as one of those, uh, yeah, there, it's it's a very confusing language even to those of us who speak it natively. But just to give a a, a trivial example of the sub- subject verb object um, problem. Uh, let's say uh, we construct a sentence, Jill struck Jack in the head. Well, one is a subject, one's an object. And if if someone is not used to our sentence structure, they could easily say uh, or hear Jack struck Jill in the head. Uh, and that might make perfect sense to them. Because maybe they're, you know, maybe they're used to objects before uh, subjects, kind of thing. Uh, so, look, this is—I uh, don't want to—I don't want to get too deep um, in language. Language is interesting, uh, and textual criticism is a deep, deep hole uh, where there are uh, no solutions, <laughs> and and people do not agree. Uh, it is a constant bar fight um, when when you're talking about. Uh, textual criticism but it's it's interesting here because last week much of the argument was mired and, in and translation I'll
1: just go ahead and say um, that the another reason i don't take the Bible very seriously is there's an idea that these uh, these ancient listeners to God uh, got messages and recorded messages. Uh, in these dead languages, but these messages were actually from God. They were they were being told things that we couldn't think.
0: Yes, that that was uh, that was most unfortunate. Uh, but we're back. Um, okay. so uh, it looks just, like the recording mechanism is uh, doing its thing. So we're just we're, we're just going to motor through, folks. Okay, I'll, I'll pick right back
1: up there. So these people who were recording their thoughts in dead languages were in these dead languages were hearing from God. And not only are they hearing from God, but they're hearing messages from God that humans on their own could otherwise not think. One of the the popular examples of this that you'll hear Christians bring up pretty often is the golden rule. Jesus gives us this this golden rule, and and humans couldn't have come up with it on their own, right? And so to go along with this sort of translation issue, I'll simply say that I don't see any reason to think— that if humans couldn't think of it on their own, God could relay it and it make any sense. So here's my point. Uh, If someone a lot smarter than me comes around and, uh, uh, and explains some intricate detail of the universe, and because I'm at the level I'm at and they're at the level they're at, I am not capable of understanding them then then it's a lost cause, and so anything that is uh is recorded in the Bible is to me necessarily a thought that humans could think on their own without any need for supernatural intervention
0: right I don't i I don't understand the concept of um, being given uh, thoughts that humans could not otherwise come up with on their own, and yet being able to write that down. Right,
1: uh, and, and other people make sense of it later on.
0: Right, and f- furthermore, you're writing it down in your own words because Christians insist that the Bible was not dictated, and so you, <laughs> right, except you have to understand. You
1: insist that
0: it was dictated, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, Paul so so last week, uh, the conversation got mired down in translation uh, a lot you know this this word ebed eved uh, what whatever the word uh, was well it was you know badly translated uh, who badly translated the word? was it atheists? <laughs> you know, i didn't, I didn't translate the word i I have not written a translation yet. Um, <laughs> I, I like one day just as an exercise. I, I want
1: oh. Oh, yes, the atheist translation community. Yeah, we should.
0: yeah, but it would be a non-academic translation. It would be the atheist translation based on the other translations, <laughs> based on the culture. <laughs> this, this is what it seems like it says, translation. Um, yeah, so the, we were, we got kind of mired down in this translation uh, thing, but the problem with that argument to me at least as it was applied last week, is that uh, almost every scholar is wrong. Uh, there are some that translated the word differently in other, you know, in some places, you know, and, you know, there were, there was some variance there, but most of the time um, the word was translated slave in places where it made sense that it would be translated like that. And, um, and there's there's not one translation that's not guilty of that. And so, you know, I think that some some place in the shouting I'd ask, well, what translation do you want me to use? Name the translation. I love translation arguments because it just shows part of the mess of the Bible. If you're telling me that the Bible that I'm reading now is bad because the translation is bad. Great. I will throw it away. Uh, what are the Bible you want me to pick, uh, pick up? Because I can show you where there are translations with that too, uh, problems with that too. Great. I'll throw it away. We'll just keep doing that until we've thrown them all away. Uh, otherwise tell me what translation I can safely pick up and read and we not get mired down in some translation argument. So
1: that's exactly right. I, so if I, if I recall, I think the, uh, there was a, a big kerfuffle about the translation of the word slave if i if i remember i think that's what the big argument was so it occurs to me because i know a little bit about uh, the 1970s and 80s and earlier and translation wars and you know, so it was a real problem so you have this the the king james just as a for instance the authorized version and and it's a very literal word for word Uh, attempt to move from uh, Greek to English or Hebrew to English, whatever, Uh, whichever language you can find the most reliable manuscripts.
0: By the way, folks, I have in the blog uh, some uh, conversation about word for word uh, versus thought for thought um, uh, translations. I'm not going to talk about that here. It's kind of boring, but it's interesting in print. So read it um and i go into transliteration uh as well also not going to talk about that here it was very interesting uh i linked to some articles so read the blog of the blog uh, com. that's a uh, www.skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com read the blog uh sign and discuss leave a comment uh love to hear from you uh you were saying andrew I, So I to stop for a commercial break by the way Uh, commercial break. You guys, you see me uh, keep picking up this Diet Coke here. Uh, So, um, this week, we are sponsored uh, by Eddie Murphy's brand, Diet Coke. Have a Coke and a smile and shut the fuck up. All right. Um, That's the end of the commercial. There are some Uh, people who will get that. (laughs) uh,
1: So, there are translations like the, like the King James. Uh, I think the, the English Standard Version may be the most, the most recent attempt at this. that are sort of word-for-word word translations. But during the translation wars, we did have dynamic equivalents or, or sort of thought-for-thought. Thought. Uh, there, there are some other translation schemes. But, but for purpose of this conversation, it's, it's useful just to point out that there, there are at least two. Right? Word-for-word translation and thought for thought translation is, is close enough to, uh, to be accurate. And the problem is that whether you're talking about the NIV or the King James or the New King James, or the English standard version, the revised standard version, the, the new revised standard version, the American standard version of 1901, look, we can go on all day, no matter what the scheme is. And no matter what the version is, they all say slave.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. uh, I, right. So all so the translators I wasn't are there idiots.
1: last week. Yeah. I, <laughs> I wasn't there last week. You've now gotten my uh, my speech on how it could be uh, <laughs> that they all got it wrong. It doesn't, it doesn't seem that there's uh, agreement that they got it
0: wrong. Right. And the, by the way... The universal- Uh, this is not an argument that they didn't all get it wrong. So uh, let me, let me just put that out for those philosophically inclined. Um, Not at all making an argument that they didn't all get it wrong, Uh, but if they did all get it wrong, just another reason to throw away the Bible. It's pointless. What are you doing? Um, Look,
1: that's exactly right. I'm not saying, well, I, so, so I will go so far as to say that I, Think they did get it right. I don't care whether they did or didn't, um, but if we are going to, uh, if we're going to take scholarship seriously, well, then the the professionals, the experts seem to largely agree here. Uh, now, I'm not making the argument that they're right. I am making the argument that if they're wrong, uh, we don't seem to have a clear way to get to what is right. And that should concern everyone.
0: So let's talk about uh, what's right. So let's let's round this thing into some fun stuff at this point. Uh, let's have a little fun and then we'll go eat lunch in our separate corners. Um, so this, all of this really is just a kind of a preamble to help uh, explain how it is we read the bible the way we do. uh and i i hope that christians take this to heart and if uh some atheists have some different opinions and say no that's that's not how i see it uh raise your hand in the comments i i want to see uh what you have to say about that. but i just wanted to take a, a few minutes to illustrate how we read the bible. so after after that um let's just look at a, a few things and i'm i'm not going to pull up anything that's not uncommon to everybody so at risk of repeating myself uh i want to i I just want to show how how these things are applied so uh the attributes of god i just wanted to start uh there uh god is omni everything (laughs) he's omni omni um so what are the, what are the main omnis uh, omnipotent, uh, omniscient, omnipresent, omnibenevolent? Am I missing any?
1: No. So the the big three are all powerful, all present, and all knowing.
0: Okay. Well, I, I sometimes hear all loving thrown in there, and um, <laughs> I always. Yeah, well, that's my reaction to it too. But I, I mean, I, I'm not making this stuff up. So. <laughs> uh, oh, look, I just
1: have to ask would you kill your child for God?
0: It's in the notes. Uh, we'll, oh, sorry. We'll get there. And if we're lucky, we'll run out of time before we do. Um, so. <laughs> uh,
1: but the, the, big, the bigger question is
0: not would you kill
1: your child for God? the bigger question is would god ask you to
0: kill your child for him that's also in the notes um
1: okay i don't so just just so they know we didn't share notes up front
0: no i, um, don't, I don't give you my notes let <laughs> <screw, screw laughs> that <laughs>
1: and and i don't particularly care about the abraham test because god disqualified himself as a as a humane benevolent all loving God uh, right then.
0: Also, we did. Also in the notes. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> for- <clears throat>
0: okay. okay. Let's, let's talk Ooh. about the attributes okay. of
1: why, God. Why do atheists read the Bible and why does it not matter? <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's talk about God's attributes for a moment. Uh, God is all powerful, uh, right? So that's what Christians tell us. That's what they uh, want us to think. Um, so I, I got it. Uh, I'll take Christians at their word. I used to uh, say that too. God is all powerful. Sure. Um, Except when you read the Bible, then he starts uh, to look a little bit less powerful uh, in places. Uh, All right. So I'm not not saying that it happens all the time, but there are places um, where he looks less powerful. I want to, I want to just start right in the garden of Eden, which, which really is my favorite story in the Bible. I've, I've written half a book on it that'll, that'll, that I'll never finish, <laughs> never get published, but I do, I do um, like the story a lot for, um, for a number of reasons. Uh, but in that story, you have an, ex- you have uh, I'm I'm not going to say satan but you have um maybe a satan inspired s- creature uh in the garden right there with the man and the woman and th- the idea that that one gets when reading the story is that life for them in life on the planet would have been perfect ideal if not for that one pesky creature getting in there, you know, because maybe they would have stayed on the straight and narrow had they not been tempted. And one would think that otherwise, why, why have a tempter there? Why not, why not have the story clean? It just let them make a bad decision on their own instead of being influenced by something. But uh, at any rate, uh, you've got this serpent in there, and you are left with one or two conclusions. I don't see how you get a, a third conclusion out of this. Either God wanted that creature there uh to do exactly what he did, which is to, to tempt the uh new humans, or he didn't. And and the creature just got in there anyway. And uh, God threw up his hands. Now, uh, look, I can have fun with the story either way. But I I just wanted to bring up uh, this passage uh, from Matthew. Didn't write down the reference. Don't care. I think it's uh, Matthew 13. Uh, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came in and sowed. Uh, seeds among the wheat and went away when the wheat uh, sprouted uh, and formed uh, heads, then the weeds also appeared. Uh, the owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? Where then did this, the the weeds come from? Uh, so this is, this is what the uh, master says. An enemy did this. He replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? Speaking of the weeds here. No, he answered, because uh, while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot uh, the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvester uh, harvesters first collect the weeds. And tie them in bundles uh, to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring uh, into the barn. Now, this is uh, this parable. This is obviously uh, talking about. Well, I say obviously, nothing's obvious. The Bible seems to be talking about uh, the condition of the world. You have uh, the good and the ad, uh, the the evil thrown together, and uh, it's not the time to separate them. But in the end times, uh, they will be evil ones will be uh, plucked out and burned and and then the good ones will be left. Uh the thing about this story though that strikes me is that in this story the master of the field is useless. <laughs> he seems he is utterly useless. Um he there's no security uh for the field. The the evil one can just walk in got in there don't know how he got in there uh not a good fence. Um, he, he he has time to sow weeds among the wheat. Uh, all of the, all of the workers are asleep. Uh, no one, no one standing guard. And then when he does his work and the, uh, workers want to, uh, try to stamp it out as quickly as possible. Nope. Uh, master throws up his hands again. Nothing we can do about it. Just going to have to wait, uh, until this all matures. I can't help, but hear the creation story, the garden of Eden story. Whenever I see this passage, Andrew, I so yeah. Look, I completely agree, and and yet the thing that
1: bothers me about this story is is not that I don't hear the Garden of Eden story. I do. The thing that bothers me about this story is how Christian Jesus. So there's this uh, there's this binary eternal decision, right? Uh, either you're the wheat or you're the chaff, and if you're the wheat, you get collected, and uh, and uh, of course ultimately this is a nod to heaven. And the chaff, by the way, the, the stuff that's collected in bundles, uh, gets burned up, right? So, so there's hell. Here's my problem. <laughs> it's more binary thinking uh, that, that, is, that is not uniquely Christian, but it is sort of wrong thinking. So gardens and fields don't only have uh, wheat and weeds. We plant all kinds of things Indians the the American Indians used to have uh, something they called three sister farming, and they they'd actually uh, plant uh, crops that were uh, of various heights and so they could make more use out of a plot of land. My only point is this: I see absolutely no reason that the master of the universe, the the creator and framer of all that we survey should be limited to, to two outcomes. And I know that we can pick these stories like this particular parable. And that's fine. But I don't see why the master of the universe should think in such limited terms.
0: Right. Well, once again, he he seems to have... A shortage of power the calvinists would say no no god does not have a shortage of power uh, everything unfolded exactly the way he wanted it to unfold the progressives would say oh yes actually god does have a shortage of power you're you're uh, not doing him service by saying that he can do anything and the main line uh, are usually in the all-powerful camp and when things like this are pointed out uh, they just mutter something incoherent and then go go eat their sandwich um so i i, I think that there are definitely places where uh, god seems to uh have a shortage of power there was that there was that time when uh no that's not it um yeah no that's it um I don't, I don't see the scripture reference, but you remember that um, one place where uh, God's people couldn't win because the enemies had uh, iron chariots.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, yeah. they <laughs> they were, they were from the iron age. God's people were from the stone age. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but they, <laughs> this, this iron, this was new technology. <laughs> they didn't, didn't uh, know quite what to make of that. Um so uh, by the way uh Andrew you might you might get a kick out of this as I'm looking for the reference I'm uh, skimming through an article from apologetics press
1: Oh shoot me <laughs> So while you're shoot looking me. for that I'll just I'll just tell another story that I find an uh <laughs> incoherent out of the Old Testament by the way there's a lot of them but this is one of my favorites Moses is standing on a hill, and the children of Israel are well. I, yeah, so the children of Israel are fighting against some foreign foe. One of the one of the types, if I recall, uh, Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, whatever. They're in this big battle, and the only way for them to win is for Moses to hold his arms up. Oh yes. And 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 every time he every time he gets tired, he starts to. <laughs> Folks, this is not. This is not my problem. It's not my fault. I'm aware of it. I'm not responsible for. it. Every time he lowers his arms, he starts the flag. He gets tired. The the tide of battle, right? Start
0: turn. Literally, <laughs> when his when his arms start sagging, people on their side die. Right. Uh, what? And, a, and, how sadistic is that, guys? Just try holding your arms out. Hold them out. For as long as you can, and keep them from not sagging. Now, now try this for the hours it would have taken for this battle. <laughs> just,
1: just, and then the, the the story goes, like I said. Well, hang you know, on. Every time your
0: arms start sagging, a family member dies.
1: Right. Just, and, and so <laughs> the the I'm not sure I'm not sure whether the, the children of Israel sort of outsmart God here or not because. Uh, a couple of Moses' uh, uh, you know, lieutenants come around, and they hold his arms up. Yes. <laughs> hold his arms up for him. Now, I'm just going to tell you this. If I'd been uh, an Israelite at the time, had I been a Jew, I will just tell you, you'd have never needed an Ark of the Covenant further on in history because I'd have tied Moses up where he could never lower his arms again. <laughs>
0: Well, like, sorry,
1: Moses. We will, you know. <laughs> what happened we were, to
0: those? Uh, what happened when those lieutenants also got tired? <laughs> I mean, <you> know, so <laughs> how 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 deep does this go? Uh, where people have to stack on top of people to keep these arms up?
1: <laughs> yeah, look, you you want real type anti type relationship? Right there is where I nailed Moses to a cross. He wouldn't have been. <laughs> he wouldn't have been lowering his arms. There'd have been no more arm lowering, sir. Well no look, more
0: armor. it's it's mytho history, okay, don't worry about it um <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> but
1: so I don't I, I know that that wasn't the story you were looking
0: for but. no, no no that's uh so that's also what one of my favorites though, and it definitely kind of fits into the idea I was looking for judges uh one nineteen so the Lord uh was with Judah uh and they drove out the mountaineers uh but they could not drive out uh the inhabitants of the lowlands because wait for it. They had chariots of iron. Um, look <laughs> guys who are, who are forming your posts right now to, to explain to me why exactly uh, that is, does not mean what it looks like. It says it means I am aware that there are any number of ways to read this. All right. I, I get it, but, um, honestly, you have to ask yourself as you were as you were drawing up this fifteen hundred word post mac attack um yeah, I called you out buddy uh actually Mac attack wrote uh, a fairly uh good response to the uh slavery post so those of you who haven't gone back to that uh in a while just uh go back and look at that i'm gonna get I'm gonna get to you. I'm going to get to you at some point, all right? Um, so, uh, yeah, before you write this post out, uh, you need to ask yourself, uh, is this is this the kind of logic or thinking that the man on the street would have when they read this? Uh, it, it The answer is, it is not, all right? I've seen these posts. And, well, but um, I think you've answered
1: the age-old question, though. Um, we now know why God needs a starship. Because <laughs> the other damn people have chariots of iron. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Star, Star Trek Five. The only good thing. An, that came un- out unreasonably
1: of that movie. dragging Star Trek in, but but I'm actually asking the question: How is it possible for defenders of God to ever be technology short? <laughs> right.
0: Answer. Right. No. It just it looks <laughs> yeah. like a deficit of power. And and you have to do mental gymnastics after reading a handful of passages like this to say that God is all powerful. Uh you know, we get I I could just spend a whole show uh, on talking about passages that seem to limit uh God's power. Um, but we won't. Uh I I I'll do one more of these attributes uh because time is getting away from me and I want to talk about some other stuff. Um all knowing is God all knowing? Um It doesn't look like it. I mean, he is when Christians tell you he is, but then when you start reading the Bible, he isn't. Um, You know, one of my favorite stories, I say this a lot about Bible stories. Uh, There are so many of them that are my favorite stories. I love the uh, Tower of Babel story. Uh, I I love it for a a lot of reasons, but one of them is uh, this first real time when it looks like God doesn't know what's going on. Uh, now, it doesn't say that per se. So again, those of you who are getting ready to write your uh, dissertations on why David is wrong about this, don't don't bother. Uh, but a plain reading of the story looks like God is in his heavens, and he's got agents who are spread out on the earth, and some of them come back and report to God what's going on in Babel, and then God makes a decision about what to do. Now, if, if God is all-knowing, then this is just stagecraft. Why do we have these agents running around trying to, to, to you know, get a report on what's happening and, and giving that report to God? That seems ridiculous. Um, and so, yeah, you can say, well, you know, whatever explanation you want to come with. It's not my job to come up with explanations here. Uh, just a plain reading of that looks like God is not all-knowing. Another example is when... Um, there's a problem going on on Earth, and he has his counsel with him, and he asks the council, "What should we do about this?" And someone uh, stood up and said, "Why don't we use a lying spirit?" And God says, "Yeah, that's right. We got some of those around." Uh, and so they do that. Um, why does God need a counsel to give him advice about what to do if he knows everything?
1: I think that's I think that's exactly the right I think that's exactly the right question. I'd, I'd like to ask it another way. Uh, I used to ask this five or six years ago over on the unbelievable board. Uh, What would the last piece of knowledge look like so that you could know you were then all-knowing? What would it take to actually confirm in some demonstrable way that any creature, no matter how powerful, no matter how overreaching, no matter how long-lasting, what would it take to confirm that they were all-knowing? What would it take to confirm any omni-attribute of a God? But all-knowing works perfectly well in in this way.
0: Yeah, Well. okay, I said it, that was the last one. I want to do one more. Um, Just a quick Bible reading from a passage that All Christians know, so I'm not going to insult you by giving you the reference. For God
1: so loved the world.
0: No, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Got to dig deeper than that. Love is kind and patient.
1: Please don't read me. Never jealous,
0: Uh, boastful, proud, or rude. Okay, Uh, this is the CEV that I'm reading. Um, A Thought for Thought folks uh let me let me just do that one more time love is kind and patient never jealous boastful proud or rude (laughs) all right uh
1: don't have any gods before you Uh, i just let
0: me just read one more one (laughs) more verse again i'm not going to bother with the reference it's your bible guys look it up um You should not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. (laughs) Okay,
1: we we pulled out different counter references, but... Uh, in, in the end, yes, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me.
0: Look, I, this, he, he this, just this, comes this. right out and says he's a jealous god, uh, he, he, and this isn't someone saying this is what God. This is God saying, "I'm a jealous God, and I'm going to fuck you up, uh, and I'm going to fuck up your kids, uh, three and four generations down." <laughs>
1: so this right. is, which is which is a stupid claim because he already fucked everyone up uh, out of the Garden of Eden. So I don't know. <laughs> what this' we're third you know don't know how to count. I'm, a, I'm a
0: jealous God I'm gonna <laughs> get you and your kids versus love is kind patient uh never jealous, boastful proud or rude um uh, so the, the God is
1: chamber in the basement
0: yeah. I, I don't know God is all loving um uh, love is not jealous I am jealous love is not jealous I am jealous. I was not jealous. I'm jealous. I'm just, okay, look, uh, am I making some light out of this? Yes, I am. But this is the stuff that's in the Bible, okay? And when you ask a, a, an average person to read this, this is what they see. I'm not making this up. I'm not actually um, trying to, uh, you know, take something out of context to make fun of it. This is what I saw when I was a Christian. I, and you know what I did with this stuff when I was a Christian? I, I scratched my head. I said, huh, and then I moved on to something else <laughs> because because that doesn't that doesn't look right doesn't make sense um so sure uh god uh omni stuff, but we don't read that uh when we look at god's attributes um that's not that's not how we read it that's not how we see it uh Andrew, you got twenty more minutes uh cool twenty minutes um you can set your watch and warrant by it.
1: Uh-huh. So uh, the <laughs> listeners don't know what that means. Uh, they're about, sorry, folks, you're going to find out. Um, don't, don't. Okay, 20
0: minutes. Let them, let them have this, okay? They need this. <laughs> It'll be 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
1: by, by the way, it's only been five so far.
0: No, no, it's been about twenty minutes. Um, let me say, <laughs> so, I know I should have set a timer. Um, so, yeah, because that would have mattered. I want, <laughs> I want to move to um, the last piece that I have here, but I kind of want to blow my nose first. I don't want to stop, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna step over here. And uh, yeah, okay. All right, I'm still trying to figure out how like this video blowing, thing
1: works. There, there, you go.
0: I should right. sh- probably mute. Okay, no, <clears throat> all right, nobody Nobody heard that, right? Um, <laughs> we're, we're good. Uh, <laughs> So, one other thing about uh, video, Andrew, I, I don't have my co-host here to ask this. I'm new to video. I've got a little bit of a crotch itch, so I'm scratching it right now. Can that be seen on camera? Or do I need no, to? Ju- but okay. the,
1: no, but the mental, uh, you
0: know. Are the- you saying that I shouldn't have said anything? Well,
1: uh, what I'm actually probably saying is, I doubt you had any choice. I'm not sure I accept free will
0: in the in that. <laughs> well, it's hard to know exactly what this camera is seeing and what it's not. Uh,
1: uh, so I, the moment you said you had an itch, I stopped. Uh, I stopped looking. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I, I hope that everyone else was uh, was was uh, equally tuned in. And
0: uh, I hope uh, the fact that know, I'm not wearing pants is. Uh, it's not showing up anyway. Okay. uh,
1: okay, I'm spending 20 minutes doing this.
0: God's God's commands. (laughs) I want to, I want to just look at a couple of God's commands in light of the, the, the setup that we've done uh, so far. And once again, this is, this is actually me making an honest attempt to explain why we see it in these ways, because what happens is we get accused of just kind of making up a straw man uh, interpretation to make Christianity look bad. And this is simply not the case. I know that in, in the case of you and uh, me, Andrew, this, this is how we read the Bible when we were, when we were preaching.
1: (laughs) And and I do want to offer this challenge. I I offered this challenge uh, years and years ago. You may remember over on the unbelievable boards. If you think that anything I've said, is offering a straw man. David, I know you, you feel exactly the same way. If you feel I'm like offering a straw man, bring out the damned real man and let's have that conversation.
0: Yeah. And <clears throat> by the way, when you bring out the real man, maybe explain to me why your real man is the real man and not some other Christians uh, view of the real man, because you, you know, you guys don't agree on this stuff, right? Um, it's a
1: metaphorical real man yeah. <laughs> so, backed by mytho history.
0: So let's, let's look at a couple of uh, these commands in the light of it. Um, so when it comes to slavery, let me just ask you real quick, you can just give me a real short answer, uh, Andrew. Sure. <laughs> um,
1: that, that's optimistic.
0: no no just a short answer okay. and for the record i think andrew uh i'm not sure if i did or i think you had an option to be on that show you just didn't want to but uh <laughs> so um i don't uh i don't care about
1: the slavery conversation no matter what the outcome of that conversation is or isn't uh slavery is reprehensible today and it wouldn't uh it wouldn't help me conclude that there was a god
0: yeah. I, look, I didn't want to do the show, uh, but you know, there was, uh, you know, some interest in it. And so I, yeah. I, uh, I did it, but, uh, I, you know, there was, again, this kind of accusation that, that were purposely, spewing, uh, scripture, but you know, after, after that explanation that I have given, um, and I don't want to spend any more time on this uh, than to read this particular passage that has been read and quoted and quoted many times before, but now maybe you can hear it the way we hear it and the way we see it. Uh, If you want slaves, buy them from other nations or from the foreigners who live in your own country and make your property... You can own them and even leave them to your children when you die. From this, I have Christians telling me God is not uh, proposing slavery. He is not proposing that humans can own other humans or that they could be passed down as property to their children when they die i do not know how to compute that with what i just read
1: so i don't either um, if it doesn't if it doesn't mean what it says then then uh, first of all all of the translation effort to this point is meaningless because this is, this is the, whatever techniques were used to mistranslate this idea cannot possibly be just faulty on this one issue, right? And, and here's why. Everybody seems to agree. These are the tools that everybody used to get and and so if it if this pretty plain, and I'll just say English here in, in scare quotes, right? Uh, but if but the reason the reason I uh, sort of use scare quotes around English is that's what we're reading, right? Most of us aren't Hebrew scholars or Greek scholars. We uh, we're not even at home in other languages uh, like French, right? And so. If we can't trust this pretty simple translation, why should I possibly think that I can trust much more complex theological issues later down the line?
0: Right. Um, let see, you can own them. Okay, so how else might we read this? Um, you know, if if we were trying to steel man the Christian argument, <laughs> what what is the other way uh, to read this? Uh, if you want slaves, let's stop there. Um, this is this is not one one of the things I've heard is that slavery is just a, a, an economic issue, like welfare. But this is, this is not merely, this is not foreigners coming to you looking to be your slaves because they need your welfare. <clears throat> this, this starts off, if you want slaves, uh, ignore for the moment the word slaves. This starts with the impetus of the, the Israelite wanting a slave. What does it mean to want a slave? Right. So C- can you read this honestly as saying if you need a new employee? Because I think that's how the Christian would want us to read it. I'm just trying to str- I don't believe that this is what this says, people. But just trying to, to um, steel man the argument a, bit, a little bit. Maybe what they are saying is, uh, this passage should be translated if you need another employee. Does that make sense to you?
1: Not in context, but let's, but let's say that it does. I mean, okay. so, so let's go all in. We will uh, continue to try to still man this all the way through. I have a different problem um, with slavery uh, in the Old Testament than I think we're going to get to. I'll see if we do, uh, because my problem with it has to do with contracts. And we've spoken a little about that uh, sure. in the past. But but let's go ahead and say, uh, for the sake of argument, this is, I need a new employee.
0: Right. Uh, now, I, I just don't know quite how you get there from the translation. Uh, and I don't know how you get there well, from the context either. Um,
1: I've got, hey, let me ask this. Uh, so I'm not a Hebrew scholar.
0: Um, yeah, I, I am. But, sure. Sure okay bring,
1: well, bring it. no not, here's Peter. here's my question I think we do have um, I, I think we do have actual employment uh, uh, in the Old Testament yeah, where, they,
0: you can find it right before this passage uh, uh, it where it says uh, for Jews owning Jews now I want you to treat those like employees it literally says that <laughs> okay. and and so. I'm presuming they they That's definitely the, have a word for employee,
1: <laughs> right? And and I'm presuming that there's different words.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Maybe don't either, maybe they're all eved uh, here. I I don't have a Hebrew Bible in front of me, so uh,
1: I don't either. Uh, I and I could can go say. pull one up, but I don't. I don't care. But but I
0: would say all of the you know all the vast majority of translators. Uh, saw it that way Uh so they saw when it's talking about jews that it's employee excuse me and they used the word employee uh, right
1: and i think we get actual employment in other stories in the old testament where uh you know we have people that are working for a wage uh and i would question right away whether those are the same words because if they're not you've already got a case uh to say no actually what we are talking about is
0: slavery in some ways i don't even think it matters if it's the same word because um you know i often uh you know when we're talking say uh, sorry uh, i can't i can't talk i'm working like a slave right now um i do not mean that i am a slave i i don't even mean that i am working like slaves worked uh i am using that to say i am heavily employed (laughs) right now and if i don't finish uh on time i will no longer be heavily employed (laughs) um
1: dave i hate to do this but we've just had a uh, minor catastrophe and i'm going to have to leave this here um And you're going to have to finish this one out on your own. (laughs) I
0: I will do that. Hopefully I'll see you on the board. Um, Those of you who are prayer inclined, please send up your um, generic prayers. uh, Never mind.
1: I think they did. That's why we had a a, a minor catastrophe (laughs) where the baby was a mess. And
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, take care of it. Uh you can log on uh in twenty minutes to see if I'm still talking and just pop back in as if you as if you hadn't left. Yep, fair enough. So I'm gonna keep this thing rolling. All right. Um so yeah, there there are words uh hi there. We just uh, we we just finished our discussion on uh, slavery and we were just getting ready to move. To the next piece. Oh, good. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. that's, not it. That's, not it. that's not it. That's not it. I don't know where drafts went. Just give me a moment here. This is so for the all of the made. parents
1: out there. The uh, the minor disaster was. Uh, a box of cornstarch, uh, liberally scattered in a, in a uh, somewhat even way across the entire uh, dining room floor. Uh, yeah, that's, that's how that was. Was that on uh, <laughs> cornstarch?
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. Very, very traumatic.
1: Spoken like someone who has never had a one-year-old cover the dining room in (laughs) cornstarch.
0: No, I've had a a three-year-old do things, though. Uh, And uh, let me tell you, it's no better when they're three (laughs) than when they're one. (laughs) Either way, you're going to have to go to the store and buy another box of cornstarch. All of
1: the uh, antinatalists out there, you should... A box of cornstarch.
0: You're uh, you're coming in and out just a little bit. I think your signal might be uh, somewhat abused, but uh, that's okay. I'm going to keep it going. I think you're still connected. Uh, the The next one I wanted to the next one I wanted to look at um, is uh, David's trilemma. I call it uh, David's trilemma. Uh, David took a census. Uh, You can spend your time reading the Bible stories. You will find that God told David to take a census in one place, and then he told David not to take a census in another place. Um, And so I can see where David may have been confused when he took a census. Um, There's been some debate over whether that's some kind of contradiction, whether there's some kind of uh, translation error, uh, you know, are these just different times? But it's clear that God didn't have a problem with uh, David taking a census per se. So it was a matter of timing or something is not uh, entirely clear, but, you know, some people have said, you know, God doesn't want a census taken because, you know, that would show that you don't, you're not trusting God. You're counting your soldiers and you're counting your people and you're trying to, you know, manage your kingdom, but it's not your kingdom, it's God's kingdom. And so don't worry about it. Anyway, that's not true. <laughs> because at, at one point God did tell David to take census. Um but I digress. Uh this was the time when God didn't tell David to take a census and David took a census. Um and uh, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read the passage because David had to be punished uh for this. And so David's been a bad boy uh gad went to david and told him you must choose how the lord will punish you will there be by the way <laughs> just just that alone um it's comical it, it 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 brings the image of a parent who um brings uh, a child you know who is done something bad, okay you get to choose your punishment. you can get the stick or the belt or the paddle um, <laughs> uh really really that's just sadistic um there's there's a there's a hint of sadism in in uh doing that but uh here's the passage uh you must choose uh how the Lord will punish you. Will there be three years when the land won't grow enough food for its people? Now for what? <laughs> David, David took a census. He wasn't supposed to take. And the first option is the land won't grow enough food for the people. What
1: did the for people
0: do? Year. It, for three years. Three years people are it's gonna be like musical chairs. Some people will have enough, other people won't. There will there won't be quite enough. Um so choice number two. Or will your enemies constantly defeat you for three months?
1: (laughs) Um by the way, I I don't know what that can mean. Uh just want to point out the sort of nonsensical nature of this one if you're defeated uh i'm not i'm not quite sure how you're defeated for three months and then you're magically undefeated you know uh, at, at day 91 uh, on, on day 90 you're defeated you're done there's there's no you anymore your nation has been broken up your people have been carried off and uh on day 91 everything's cool again well i think of it is a
0: war uh, so you've got lots of battles, and you can lose battle after battle after battle, and still be in the war.
1: I I suppose, uh, and and that's probably an okay reading, except um, I I don't know that that's how God thinks of defeat. It's how humans think of wars, right? We we can have battles uh, that we lose and still win the war, but the Christian God doesn't seem to be that kind of god uh you know you, you either you're either a winner or you're a loser
0: uh, well he didn't mind letting his people lose from time to time yes a punishment <laughs> so he he uh dangled winning and losing uh his reward and punishment all the time so this this does seem to fit with his character somewhat and you you also have to take into account this is um war is just a thing For these people at this time, so you'll remember um, the story of Bathsheba. That story begins with a line, something to the effect, "And when uh, during the season when the kings were off to war, David was at home in his palace." It it starts that way uh, because the implication is David should have been off uh, in war. And he wasn't. Right. Uh, so it was kind of idle hands or the devil's playground kind of thing. He, sh- he should have been on fighting because this is what they did. They were, they were fighting. I was a warlord. Uh, so they were constantly fighting someone. And so the idea is, yeah, okay, for three months, you're going to get your ass kicked. Um,
1: right. So I agree with all of that, except one thing. If God can uh, just decide for three months, you're going to lose. And then, you know, maybe for three months you're going to win and uh, maybe for three months it's going to be a stalemate and, and and all that sort of thing. This is all just a colossal waste of time.
0: Well, yeah, it is God moving pieces on the chessboard. Uh, he's he's playing uh, one-man chess. Uh, and I, I – so I don't want to go too, too deeply okay. in that idea. Right. Uh, right. Not that that's not so interesting. <laughs>
1: three so. years of famine. Right. We've got three years right. of famine. We've got three months of uh, of of losing battles.
0: Right. And um, and then the other one, uh, or uh, will the Lord send a horrible disease? To, <laughs> I'm sorry, we're in the time of COVID. Or will the Lord send a horrible disease to strike your uh, land for three days? Think about it and decide. Because I have to give your answer to God who sent me, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, Okay, how am I supposed to read this? Okay, let me tell you how I do read this. Um, I read this as uh, I I observe that all three of these punishments are are not actually uh, on David at all. David is the one who took the census. Uh, and at best, you could speculate that maybe David's advisors uh, told him it was okay to take the sentence. The Bible doesn't say anything like that, but you could, you know, if you want to speculate, uh, fine. Punish David and his advisors with uh, three weeks worth of boils. All of these punishments were aimed at the innocents here, and I know that the Christian will say, nobody's innocent, but Innocent, in the way we normally use the word here, means these people were not guilty of the crime that's being punished. That's what I mean by innocent. David is the only named criminal here. But the punishment, all three of these, is to the people of Israel as a whole. And David, whatever happens, is not going to suffer in the way that the other people will suffer. First of all, he's a king. He's going to have plenty to eat. Uh, you know, he's his armies might get uh, their butt kicked, but he's fine. He's not going to he's not going to get captured. Uh disease might strike the land for 3 days, but he's going to be all right. God's going to protect him. He's still a king. None of these things uh, directly affect David. God is punishing David by making his people suffer. This is among the worst kinds of evil that I can think of. Um, It's this indirect, I'm going to hurt people you love as a punishment to you. Uh, This is, I don't know any other way to read this. This is how I read it when I was a Christian. It's how I read it when I was seven. Um, I I never uh, came across anyone who corrected that reading. Uh so what what do you read, uh Andrew, when you when you see this?
1: Uh so frankly what I read is Mob Boss. That's a nice shop you've got here. Be ashamed if something happened to it. That that's all that's all I read here. Because David uh wants to count the people. God doesn't want him to. And God sends his second around, right? God, God sends uh, some some scrub around to, yeah. to talk to David about. God
0: it. sends Gad Right,
1: <laughs> right, right. So uh, in fact <laughs> Gad flies, right. But so here's here's the here's the question the skeptic is asking and the one that Christians don't ask. Why should David believe that Gad had any conversation with God?
0: Right. Well uh, so let me add to that question: um, Why wasn't David horrified by these options and and say, "Look, the God I know is a God of mercy. He would never punish the innocent to to punish the uh, guilty."
1: Right. Look, that, that's exactly right. I have, I have no idea. I have no idea what is going on. In this story, and and let's just let's just say for a moment that God has a good reason for not wanting the the Israelites numbered, right? So, um, here's what we don't get. This is what skeptics expect. It's another question that Christians don't ask. What was God's reason, other than uh, I'm a cantankerous old guy in a robe that hangs out in the sky? And I don't want them numbered. And yeah. if you do, I think you don't trust me.
0: Yeah. So, sometimes and, and I, so- I'm okay with the census. Sometimes I'm not okay with the census. The problem is you disrespected me. Uh, uh,
1: that's so exactly we, right. And I'm not going you. to give you any. Uh, I'm not going to draw a line that you can clearly see uh, that tells you when censuses when censuses are okay and when they're not. Uh, and and more than that i'm gonna i'm gonna send around uh i'm gonna send random people around to uh to, <laughs> I, I, look it's a it's a silly story
0: so it for those who are unfamiliar with the story uh let me just give you the punchline seventy thousand people were killed in in three days three days seventy seven zero Zero, zero, zero. 70,000 people God massacred. It makes the coronavirus look like a cold. Um,
1: cannot resist. It's fake news. But,
0: <laughs> stop it. Um, sorry. All right. sorry. So, um, yeah. Uh, 70,000 people who didn't do anything wrong. Um that was that was david's punishment and and the thing the interesting little stinger uh, at the end of the story uh was that god uh his angel was prepared to do more but god stayed his hand and said that's enough god took mercy this this is actually an example of god's mercy that he only killed 70,000 innocent people in 3 days in 3 days de- how are we supposed to read this i don't i don't even know how to steal man a christian argument here i mean i i don't know the only thing that you can do is speculate that these people were really evil they had some kind of secret sin and god knew exactly who they were and he was taking this opportunity to exterminate them but if that's what he did he left in his book no clue that that's what was happening i would love to know what what evil uh 70,000 uh people did uh to to deserve this death we're just left uh with the idea that god is punishing david by killing 70,000 of his subjects
1: right and What is what is somewhat baffling to me? So just another just another skeptic's question. If you're King David, so just cast yourself back to this time. God sends around Gad, you, you make your three day decision. God kills seventy thousand presumably loyal subjects. The the story doesn't read as if they're disloyal or they're you know, they're somehow fifth columnists or whatever. These are these are these are people who are uh, working part of your farmers. <laughs> right? So God kills seventy thousand of them, and on the fourth day, David says, "Um, yeah, well, glad that's over. I love God. Let's
0: move on." Yeah, yeah. Who, who, after surviving this, would say? Yeah, I like Jehovah. I'm thinking there are a lot of people there who would have said, "You know what? Let's give Moloch a try." (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was an interesting experiment. (laughs) Um, Do we have any prophets of Baal around? (laughs) Right. Right. Do we we have any other options that we? Because this is this is just bad. Uh, okay. Look, let me finish up. Um, last example again, very common. Um, actually it's not the last example. It's almost last example. Okay. No, I got some more stuff. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I may not, I'm not going through all this. Uh, the 10th plague. Uh, I think it's maybe the single most horrible thing in the Bible. Um, Because for those who would say, look, God had his reasons and he would never kill innocent people, the 10th plague really should just put that out of your mind. We're trying to figure out what kind of God this is we're we're talking about. Um, The 10th plague is uh, where God is punishing Pharaoh. And how does he punish Pharaoh? He punishes Pharaoh by killing his son, not just any son, the firstborn son, because firstborn is the heir. Uh, And so... God takes away um, the heir. Now, you know David, he, can, he can always have more sons, right? Uh, and at the end of this story, Pharaoh's not killed. Pharaoh's still okay. He's he's fine. So he can, he can have more sons. This is a a very strange punishment. It not only targets Pharaoh's son, who is not the guilty party here. It targets the son, firstborn son of every. Egyptian in the land. Every one of every Egyptian is not guilty. <laughs> okay. Uh, Pharaoh is guilty, but but we're going to kill the kid of every Egyptian. Is that not bad enough? No, it's not. Because if you were a Hebrew and you didn't get the the right blood on the right posts at, in in time, your kid was going to be killed too. Your every Everyone that in not done. The story's not done. It even took the animals. Firstborn of those. Firstborn. Uh, what did the animals do? I mean, really? What? Honestly. Um. So this is an example of God specifically targeting the innocent. The, the people who are not guilty of the crime being punished and uh among those would be children um and so you you just look at the last story a moment and you know before you get the words out of your mouth that you know god wouldn't target innocent innocent people uh, you you look back here to the 10th plague that's all he targeted
1: the obvious question i think for me is the question that I think we're asking uh, in in our current political turmoil exactly what could the Christian God do given the framing of the Old Testament and just a a fair reading of the words what could a God do that would cause lack of support could he kill innocents? No, that won't do it. Uh, could he? Uh, could he support taking virgin girls as war prizes? And would that cause lack of support? Well, no. Uh, could he ask parents to sacrifice their children to it? Well, no. Could he use? Uh, could he use snakes to punish his people? Would that? No. What about stoning children or sending bears? What could this God do where where these people that – I don't understand where the – I don't understand where the base of support is.
0: Right. Um, and just tying that to the subject of how we read the Bible, um, when you read story after story after story like that, uh, you identify that character as a villain. You know we have ways of uh, reading a story and identifying the hero and the villain, right? The antagonist and the protagonist. Uh, and when we look at the stories dealing with God's direct commands or behavior, he he looks like the villain. In any other in any other book, we would say, "Oh yeah, that guy's that's that's the villain." Uh, so look, just real quick, I will just. Uh, drop these and uh just for the sake of the commenters who don't who don't get to read um the blog post press not everyone can do that i understand um no one is required to read the blog post all right um the abraham test uh you know we've talked about that so sex uh i'm reading um Romney, uh 31 um All right, we've just uh, brought Andrew back on the line. Almost done here. Uh, You must put to death every boy and all the women who have ever had sex, but do not kill the young women who have never had sex. You may keep them for yourself. Now, you know, just reading that passage, it's terrible. Let's say, uh, you know, we're at the Hague. There is a war crimes tribunal. Uh, there is uh, a general who is on trial and they are trying to decide whether he is guilty of war crimes or not. and someone presents as a piece of evidence a document containing those words that I just read. Uh, let me let me let me just say it one more time. Uh, th- this is what's on the document. I can't believe you let the women live. They are the ones who followed Balaam's advice and invited our people to worship the god of Baal-peor. That's why the Lord punished us by killing so many of our people. You must put to death every boy and all the women who have ever had sex. But do not kill the young women who have never had sex. You can keep those for yourself. If we saw that document, and if you were... Oh, among the tribunal, we're just going to move down a little. Would you go into chambers and say, "Yeah, no, I don't know if I don't know if that's a war criminal or not"? <laughs> would, you, would you even hesitate? Of course, you wouldn't. But somehow, when you read these words in the Bible about the God of the Bible, it it's something else. It's it's a good thing. Uh, at that point, I am incapable of reading that way. It just feels like a dishonest way to read. And I don't want to call anyone um, dishonest this week. I I did that last week. Um, It was the heat of the moment. I'm not sorry. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Um, It could happen again. (laughs) So I'm working on it. 12-step program. Baby steps. Um, This week, I'm not calling anyone dishonest. But I am saying that that feels to me As a fifty-year-old who spent most of his much of his free time reading, that seems like a dishonest way to read it. Um, To to come away with something that's that's not awful. So uh, that said, I don't know how to read a thing like this and um, and feel good about it. I don't. And other atheists uh, read it the same way. Hell. Christians read it the same way until you have a conversation with them and point out the problem, and then the light bulb comes on and they realize they need to start reading in a different way. Uh, I don't, you know, we could we could do this a lot. Uh, in fact, uh, in the blog post, I teased that uh, we might do a roundtable on this and focus on the New Testament because I have just as many New Testament examples, believe it or not. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Jesus, um, and I want to talk about uh, some of the atrocious things that uh, he said yeah, too. Uh, so, for those who are interested in uh, being on a roundtable on a show like that, uh, raise your hand in the comments. I'll be in touch. Uh, we'll we'll probably put that put something like that together for this season. Uh, that's all I have for now, though. I just wanted to take some of these common passages after we talked for a little while about, you know, just the foundation of how we how we read this book, how we approach it uh, and then read some of the passages and let you see, uh, you know, kind of show our work, let you see the, you know, how the wheels turn, if you will. And if that feels if the way I read any of these passages feels dishonest to anyone out there, show up in the comments uh let me know that it, you felt like I was reading it dishonestly and, and let me know why I'm not gonna take offense. Uh, by you saying you it sounds like I was reading it dishonestly. I'm, I'm really curious about your opinion. Andrew, do you have anything uh to say before uh, before we call it a show?
1: Not much um I don't I I guess where I start with the Bible. Is a demonstration uh, of of any kind of supernatural agent that could do the things that are claimed. I think I'm, this has been I'm a pretty sorry. good deconstruction.
0: Your your baby in the background, she's yeah. making that noise again. That uh, is so disturbing to me. I can't make the noise. It's a this, this kind of um, Jetson's car. Sound. Uh, okay now, now she's just punking me uh,
1: so so we're out uh we're out at the play park uh with the ducks she loves to see the ducks and
0: uh I'm just saying we're about to natural it's an unnatural noise i don't know how she does it i can't get it i've i've tried to make this noise um, I don't
1: okay now. Now I'm a little disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so, there it is.
1: You everybody, you can hear that, right?
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was
1: and and uh, this is this is
0: uh... okay. That noise I, I can make, I can make, I make that noise frequently. <laughs> so you were saying, though, Sorry.
1: So, no, that's it's all right. We're uh, we're putting socks and shoes on. She knows that she's about to uh. She knows that she's about to be able to run and play. So she is super happy. Yeah, she um, gets to
0: play among the ducks and so, then eat foie gras tonight. Say that again. She gets to play among the ducks and eat foie gras tonight. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> not not on the budget that we have. <laughs> well, you, know, you get it from the ducks. Uh, maybe you play um, with ducks differently than I do.
1: Uh, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. So I guess for me, We've, we've done some uh, deconstruction here, some of it's been in jest, some of it hasn't. Um, but what we, what we don't get, uh, naturally, as far as I can tell, is any reason to think that there is a God. And Christians will often point to the Bible and say, but see, the, the Bible gives us good reason to think that there's a God. And so what I what I really hope out of this is that the people that are listening realize that that story that somehow the the Bible is trustworthy enough to make a claim of the supernatural to make a claim of an omnigod. I I hope that they see the reason that there are honest atheists in the world and that the Bible simply doesn't pass That kind of scrutiny,
0: right? Um, You know, that that, uh, it's a good point that Christians often say that the Bible, you know, gives you reason to believe. But I got to tell you, starting with Genesis, by the time you get to Judges, the Bible gives you reason to believe that it's bullshit. That's that's what you that's what you have. See, the great thing about all of these atrocities that that we looked at is we have no reason to believe that it ever happened. <laughs> right? We don't we have no reason to believe that any of it ever happened, which is good. Um we have no reason to believe that uh you know much of it even is, is even possible. Uh so uh, yeah, by the by, the time you get to Joshua and Judges and Ruth, and it, it just you, the bullshit meter has already pegged off the charts. Um, I, I I suspect a lot of people never never actually get past that stuff. But if you read all the books of history, uh, by the time you get to the books of poetry, you have no reason to believe that anything in Proverbs is good advice, <laughs> because. The good advice is supposedly inspired uh, by the monster that, it, that inspired all of the books before it. Uh, so even if there is something good in the Bible, by the time you get to it, uh, you're so tainted by the other stuff that you've read. There's no reason, you know, when I want good advice, good financial advice, I don't go to the Bible. When I want good medical advice, I don't go to the Bible. When I want good science advice or just advice about the world and how to treat it, I don't go to the Bible. I don't go to the Bible for any of it because all the stuff that Christians have told me that the Bible is good for, and that these particular places are historical, and this this is an example of a good and loving God, I, I look at that and I say, okay, I don't. I'm also not going to come to you for advice <laughs> on any of these things because if if that's what you get out of reading this. We're not reading the same thing in the same way. Uh, and yeah. so that's a problem. That's a problem because I don't, I don't want to go through life not trusting just the, the human advice and interaction of other Christians. You know, my parents are Christians. I, you know, some of my closest friends are Christians. I don't want to go through life not being able to listen to them on mundane things. But I got to tell you, I don't, I don't even want to take the the recipe for chicken soup. For a person who looks at the tenth plague and says, "Blessed be the name of the Lord,"
1: so that is exactly right. Um, I don't, I don't want to teach myself to do the mental gymnastics required to accept the supernatural claims uh, in the Bible, because on uh, on balance, they don't seem to be possible. Uh, with, with the normal tools that we use every day. And, uh, and so I can't trust, as far as I can tell, the conclusions that theologians reach uh, about the supernatural claims in the Bible. And it just makes me suspect, uh, un- unless I have good reason uh, to conclude that other people that don't use this, this sort of supernatural, this sort of magical reasoning uh unless i can see that they've made a good decision with uh with non-supernatural tools uh they simply have not uh landed high enough on my credibility meter for me to care what they say
0: And and this is true in in areas of academia too you know i i'm going to just go out on a limb and say um linux uh john linux probably a good mathematician. I, I don't know that. I, I've never read any of his math work. Wouldn't understand it if I did. But I'm just going to assume that he's a good mathematician. But you know what? I wouldn't go to Linux for math because I see how he reasons. I don't understand math uh, at that level, and I would have to take his word for a lot of things. And I, and I can't trust him, and I think that's a, that's a tragedy. Uh, I love uh craig keener i really do and, and uh andrew if you ever have a chance to have him on one of your shows i think you would love talking to him as well um, i love craig keener uh he's he's bright intelligent uh well-spoken uh gentle uh you know he's he's all of the things i love in a, in a person to talk to but i also see how he reasons Uh, With things that I can understand. And it makes me uh, just a little bit not trust his judgment on things that I know he's an expert in. I know he's an expert. But there's that question mark, that asterisk uh, that's there. You know, Hugh Ross. uh, A lot of people love Hugh Ross. Just a a little bit of an inside baseball. When I was a Christian, I loved Hugh Ross as well. I've been following Hugh Ross for a long time. You could call me a bit of a Hugh Ross fan. Um, but when when we got lights in the sky and little green men, it probably happened before that, but that was kind of the thing that made me look at Hugh Ross sideways and say, oh, he's crazy.
1: Yeah, we can just call it done. <laughs>
0: I mean, like uh, all of the, all of his, you know, very interesting opinions about the Bible, and just recontextualized them uh, at a certain point and said, "No, I can't. I can't buy any of this. Um, yeah. This man is crazy." So this yeah. is this is the thing about um, how you read the Bible and some of the knock-on effects that it has. So it's not just that we are reading the Bible differently than you, but you. Even the things that we believe that you are experts in, Christians, or that we, you know, think that, you know, you can have a perfectly good opinion. There's still that asterisk beside it when you when you look at God killing uh, the firstborn of everybody and then you say, oh, yes, that's a good act. And by the way, let me tell you some other good things. Well, now I don't trust your opinion on what good is. And I know that Christians will say, well, they don't trust my opinion on what good is. And that's fine. That's not the the argument that I'm having. Uh, some will say, well, you know, how can you call any of this evil? You're just an atheist. You have you don't believe in uh, objective morality. So nothing's evil to you. That's untrue. But sure, that's one way that you can sidestep this if you like. But I just I just wanted to talk to you all for a while and give you some sense of what we're doing when we're reading your book. Okay, you've told us that we need to, that in fact we have to, so we have. Uh, and you don't like what we come up with, but this is what we come up with. And I can tell you that, you know, the first several times I read through the Bible is as a Christian, and I and I wanted to believe all good things. And these questions started coming up with me when I was reading it that way, d- devotionally. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is not. This is not me putting a hate on. Um, so with that, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to let it go, folks. Next week, uh, let's hope that uh, Russell will be back, and we will have a very calm and reasonable, just he and I uh, conversation uh, on politics. Should Christians even be involved in politics, for that matter? Should skeptics be involved in it? Um, It's going to be an interesting show. So um, we'll see you then. Thank you. And have a great rest of the week. See you in the comments.